Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I want to share with you something, and as I reflect upon it, it's not usually uh, at right at the beginning of a sermon. Uh, after all, in the beginning of a sermon, we've just come out of the worship, like we just did, and we have all been standing, which we all just were, and the message is just getting going. It's not usually at the beginning of a sermon. But usually, a little over halfway through a message, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it starts to catch you. I know it's happened to me. I'll speak for myself. I know it's happened to me. I've been working hard. I've not gotten a great deal of sleep. Perhaps I'm just wore out. And then the words of the message that is being taught or preached start to kind of blend together. I'm, now, listen, I'm genuinely interested in the message. I'm genuinely interested in hearing what's going on. But my mind just starts to kind of the log-off process, okay? You, you know, if you have a computer, once you, once you hit shut down, it starts, it starts shutting down, you know? And if you say, oh, wait, 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 no, 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 no you got it pretty much, it's going. It ain't gonna stop for you. Once that thing starts shutting down, that computer starts shutting, it starts shutting down. And then, of course, what happens? About midway through that message and all this is happening, then, and I'll, I'll look at the camera in the back, then it's the eyes. You know what? It's the, it's the eyes, right, Kim? Where you're like, and then the head. And then you open them real wide. Oh, Lord, let me keep my eyes open. And then. Uh, start crossing, and the head it jerks, and, and your neck feels like it's just like to break off for a minute there, and it's like, oh, and you look around, okay, you sit up in the pew a little bit, sit up in the chair, look around, and okay, anybody notice that? No, nobody noticed it, okay. You know, now, now, obviously, let me say that this obviously never happens when I'm preaching. Obviously, this never happens when I'm preaching. Obviously, come on, right? I mean, we all know that I'm kind of engaging. and So I know it's never happened. When I'm free, never happened. 
<laughs> but I've had it happen to me. I'll say this, I've had it happen to me when I'm, when I'm listening to a message, but I'm going to tell you something, friends, because I know that if you have happened to have had it happen, that how you feel and how it feels, but let me tell you, as bad as you may feel when it happens to you, or if it would happen to you, of course, not that you would admit it, I'll tell you it's worse when you're a clergy. <laughs> Because oftentimes, the person who's up there speaking is your good friend, right? <laughs> it's your good friend. And you feel, it always is the case, right? You feel like they're looking right at you. It's right, wherever you're sitting, you know, if, if, you're, if, if ever you're doing one of these things, you know, you, you immediately think, oh my God, and then you, then you look up and you're like, Oh my gosh, they were staring right at me. Oh my gosh, they know. I mean, this, this kind of stuff goes through your head. Inevitably, it does. And, uh, but, but, and then what happens? You almost turn into a drunk person trying to keep your eyes open. I mean, it's, 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 it's such a hapless feeling where you're like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I want to stay away. And it's not your heart. I mean, come on. I know it's never happened to any of you, and God bless you. <laughs> and you're trying your best to stay awake. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Now, uh, honestly, I think there are two sides to this coin. And I'm going to talk about both sides of this coin today uh, in this message. So let's, let's kind of, well, we're, we're going to parse through this thing. Uh, and the nuance of this is important. Both sides of this, this issue in the coin are important. But first, of course, there are some people who are just truly not engaged or that interested enough in spiritual things to pay attention. Now, so, you know, I, I, gave, I gave myself and, and perhaps some of you credit because you really wanted to hear, but there are some people who are like, I'm here out of obligation. Let's see how much longer has he got to go. I'm going to check out, man. Oh, man, I'm not interested. It's like... You just kind of doze off right there, put the head down. And, and there are some who are not alert and are more susceptible to dozing, even in the midst of a crisis. Some people can do this, and some people do this. Doze even in the midst of a crisis when they really should be alert. Matthew chapter 26, please. Matthew chapter 26, I assume you know where I'm going with at least the first part of this. Yeshua was about to be arrested and taken to the tree of sacrifice. It was right before, literally right before he was about to be arrested and taken to the tree of sacrifice. And he went to pray in the garden of Gethsemane. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to be back in the garden of Gethsemane. There's no place like it in the world. It's one of my favorite places in Israel to be. It really is. I, but when we get to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah, I, I'm just like looking forward to that. I mean, that whole afternoon is just unbelievable where we're up there on the Mount of Olives and walk down. To, you guys remember, you know, the, the Garden of Gethsemane. And when you're there, because it's the garden, I mean, it's, it's amazing that it's the same place 2,000 years later, but yet it is and very clearly is. And, uh, and, and when you're there, man, just, just to kind of, feel. You can feel it. You can feel it. And, and it's amazing, the, the place. But okay, they were there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and he brought some of his disciples with him. Yeshua did. He asked them to keep watch. Keep watch with me. I mean, he was about to be arrested. I mean, this is kind of a pretty mo momentous moment, a monumental moment in his life, right? 
and keep watch with me. And what happened? They fell asleep. They fell asleep. Matthew 26, verse 40. Then he comes to the disciples and finds them sleeping. He tells Peter, so couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's such a famous comment. You know, it's such a famous thing that Yeshua says right there. I mean, we've all said that at one time or another. You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's a time for sleeping, and that was not it. (laughs) That was not the time for sleeping, my friends, you know? We recognize that sometimes we just give into our flesh. It's not something we're necessarily proud of, but we all know that sometimes we give into our flesh. I'm even talking about our physical flesh and, and our fleshly desires. And I'm, I remember one time, I've never told this story before. I remember one time when I was an older teenager, maybe about my, my kid's age, an older teenager, and my dad was the rabbi uh, here uh, at Beth Hillel. And one of my best friends... Uh, In the Temple Teens, yes, I was a Temple Teen at one time. Thank you very much. Uh, One of my best, one of my best friends uh, in the Temple Teens, her uh, grandmother passed away, and it happened in the middle of the night. And I was sleeping at the time. I didn't know. And my and my and these were people that were very dear to us and and leaders in the congregation. And uh, and so my parents briefly waked me because they were going to be heading over to this, this family's home. It was, like I said, dear friends of ours. And, uh, and their daughter was a very good friend of mine uh, in the Temple Teens. And my, so my parents briefly waked me to see if I wanted to, to come with them uh, to the home of our, of our dear friends, including my teen friend, to provide some comfort. And I turned over, and I, and I, I remember this distinctly. I just turned over in my bed, and I, and I heard them. I'm like, ugh. And I was just tired, you know, but you're a teenager. It's like, come on. But at the time, I just remember it was like, man, I'm just, I'm tired. I, I turned over. I said, you know, listen, I'll just catch her later. Uh, I, I wanted to sleep. Well, time, a little time passes. And a few days later, in a totally non-condemning way, and I, and I really mean that. I, rem, I remember when she said this to me, I knew that she was not, she was not in any way, shape, or form condemning me at all. She was just being really honest. She said she just knew that when my parents walked in their door at their home, that I would be with them and walk through the door for her. But I had not. And in that moment, I felt something between regret and shame. I had let my flesh win. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Rabbi Shaul knows that walking with God requires training, even of our bodies, training, but it requires us to train. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, it says, Rather I punish my body and bring it into submission so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. 
I prefer the NASB translation, which says that we strictly discipline our bodies. We strictly discipline our bodies. It's not, and it's, it's not said in the way of like working out. I go work out at the gym. No, no, it's, 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 we, we discipline ourselves, our physical bodies, and really our choices to do what we know that we ought to do because we don't always feel like it. You understand? We have to be disciplined, and we have to have self-control, one of the fruits of the ruach. And, and obviously, this extends to other acts of the flesh that are tempting, we have to have the self-control and discipline to resist. It's hard to resist when your flesh really wants to do something or not do something. It's hard to resist because your tendency is you just want to do it or just want to not do it. And that's what you feel like doing. And it's really hard to resist. It takes self-control, serious self-control and discipline, right? I discipline my body okay, I know I need to do this, so I'm going to do this, even though I don't want to do this. The point here is that it's not always easy to do what's right, even physically. There's a frequent battle between us and our flesh. And, and friends, you often see this manifested in, wait for it, marriages. Ooh, ooh, ooh Rabbi, be nice. <laughs> you oftentimes see this manifested in marriages where one literally does not want to physically get up and serve the other. Oftentimes it's the case, especially once you've been married more than a couple of years. You know, maybe in the first couple of years, the, the stereotypical newlywed uh, time, and it's like, oh, what do you need, honey? I'll go get it both sides, you know, male and female. What do you need, honey? I'll go get it. But after a few years, then it becomes more a matter of conquering your flesh because you don't always want to do it, whatever it is. And what does that do? It often leads to procrastination. Will you get that? Yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll do it. And it's what? It's not right now. You don't want to do it right now. Why? I don't feel like doing it right now. And it's procrastinating. And then later... It's still there to be done. And the spouse is like, what's up? Yeah, 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 I'll get to it. Do you see how this can lead to breakdown? Uh, and this is not healthy, uh, even for a marriage. And procrastination, resentment. Pff, I can't believe it. Well, I'm just going to do it myself. You know, and, and, then, and then, you, then you start to resent. And what is this for? What is the genesis of this? Just, just the flesh. It's just the flesh that's getting in the way of doing what you know you need to be doing. It might be the laundry. It might be the dishes. It might be the garbage. It might be cooking. It can be anything. Intimacy can also be greatly affected by this, which can lead to a breakdown in that area as well. People, people with their mindset, because often at the end of the day, it's truly more about our will and determination than it is our physical limitations. That's oftentimes more what it's about. I, you, you remember the scripture, I mean, Matthew 25 talks about uh, the 10 virgins waiting for their bridegroom, symbolic of us as the body white waiting for the Messiah to return. And when is the groom going to come for the bride? 10 brides are waiting for their groom, but five are ready and five are not. Five fell asleep 
and we're not ready. When the groom arrived, where, where's the bride? No bride there. She's not taken away. The five that were ready, boom. They're, they're prepared. They're ready. They've gotten everything they needed. They, 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 they got their, their wick. They got their oil, the lamp, so that the, the groom could find them. And boom, there they go. They're taken away. The Lord takes us away up into heaven. You see, we have to be alert and we have to be ready. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you awake, if you will? Just last Shabbat, one of our dear ones, somebody who comes Saturday mornings, one of our dear ones said to me, I remember this, this person came up to me after the service in the community center, and she just came right up to me, and she said, Rabbi, and I thought, oh boy, the way she said that, I didn't know if I was in trouble or something. I said, what is it? She said, Rabbi, I really did not feel like coming to services today. And I said, oh, okay. I thought, well, you know, sometimes people confess to the rabbi. That's all right, too. I said, okay, all right. She said, but I just knew the Lord would have something for me if I did come. And he did have something for me. And I was like, wow, okay. I mean, that was like, whoop, that was pretty powerful. And she was, she was testifying. She said, I needed to be here. It's a drive to get here. It's, or it's hard to get, you know. It, it, this person comes from a, from a distance. It takes a long time to get here. I knew I needed to be here, and sure enough, the Lord had something for me here. Wow, boy, that was encouraging to hear. What a blessing. I'll tell you, uh, David will, will know this for sure. My mom was a model of this. My mom was a model of this for me and, and my family. She had so many pains and physical challenges, yet she did not allow them to have dominion over her life. My mom never attended a self-pity party. <laughs> she just didn't. Sometimes I, I know that she was very sick and should be off raising money for people in Israel and should be going as, as full steam as she could. It's like, Mom, please slow down. I know she's hurting. She didn't complain. But she, she pushed, she's got stuff she, the, the, she knows that the Lord has called for her to do. So she, so she gets her flesh into alignment. We can always use that as an excuse, my friends. I'm not saying if you're hurting or sick, don't go to the hospital or don't go to the doctor or don't stay home or don't ever take a break. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to examine our motivations and oftentimes we're gonna see that our flesh is leading a lot of the decisions that we make. Yes, physical flesh, tired, all that kind of stuff, but, but also just our fleshly desires tend to lead a lot of the decisions that we make. So that is one side of that coin, and I pray that if this applies to you, that you feel motivated and you feel convicted to be less passive and more determined. That's one side of this coin. <laughs> now, the other side is this, better to try and fail than never try at all. I really feel that very strongly. I recall, <laughs> this is an absolute true story, I recall a couple of years ago when I was preaching, some of you may remember this, you may have been here, and I was preaching, right, and I'm just going on, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing my best, I put a lot of effort into these messages, I write them all. I've never redone a message. I've never preached somebody else's message. I always write them every, every Shabbat for many, many years now. Of course. And, and I was preaching, 
<laughs> and, there was, and, and in my cadence, there was a momentary uh, pause. Okay, and so, yeah, I'm preaching, and then I pause. And in that very moment, in that very moment, somebody in the audience let out the loudest, longest snore I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, there was this pause, and I'm like going kind of like this, and suddenly it was... <laughs> And it was right when I was paused, man. And, and, I, and it, was, it was so loud. It echoed in this room. It was so intense. I can't even imitate it. It was so intense. It was, it was impressive, I got to say. Anybody who could do it, it was very impressive. And, and, and you might ask, was I offended? Not at all. I was not the least bit offended. I actually had to work very hard not to just start cracking up. I thought, I thought it was hilarious, but I felt bad for the guy because I know it was embarrassing, man. Woo. But I was not hurt at all. On the contrary, I appreciated this guy. What? <laughs> what? Okay, come on now. I pre Why did you appreciate it? Why? Because with all the things that this guy had on his plate, and I knew, with, with the lack of sleep that I knew that he had, with his age and physical challenges, I was thrilled that he thought it was important enough to be in God's house in the first place. Because I'm going to tell you, there are plenty of people in the world who were not in God's house that weekend. But he was there, good for him. And I really mean that, good for him. It's like, wow, was that embarrassing? Does that make people think like your message is all boring and all? No, it really doesn't. You don't need a snore to know that. <laughs> in, in, in any case, it didn't bother me at all. Man, I appreciated it. I just appreciate the fact that he was in God's house, man. Good, good for him when you're all wiped out. I know that some of you in this room right now, some of you watching online are tired. Some of you in this room got up five o'clock this morning, and here you are late. Some of you got up early. Some of you had a lot going on this week. Some of you have, have had a long drive here through traffic. Some of you have had, had a situations this week that have happened that have been stressful and difficult, and here you are. You're probably wore out, and if not today, maybe you have been at some other time when you've come here. Good for you. Good for you for watching. You didn't have to watch. Nobody's watching. You don't even, nobody even sees you. You don't even get credit of, of being seen by the rabbi as if that matters. It doesn't. What matters is that God sees. God knows. God sees you watching online. I don't care if you're watching it in 2030 when it's still online on YouTube 4. <laughs> John chapter 6, please. John 6. Yeshua was preaching to 5,000 families, and it was late, and people were hungry. What were they going to do? How were they going to feed them? How were they going to feed 5,000 families? It's unbelievable to even imagine. How are you going to do it? And you know the story, John chapter 6, verse 9, it says there was a boy, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, five loaves and two fish. But what's that for so many? 5,000 families. Yeshua said, make the people recline. There was much grass in the area. So the men reclined, about 5,000 in number. Then Yeshua picked up the loaves 
And having given thanks, he distributed bread to everyone, everyone who was reclining. Whoa. He did the same with the fish as much as they wanted. Whoa. When the people were full, Yeshua said to his disciples, gather up the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with broken pieces from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had finished eating. Wow. Wow. By the way, also an amazing place in Israel, as a side note. Wow. This is unbelievable here. We're, we're talking about the feeding, people call it the feeding of 5,000. Of course, if you read the text, it's much more than 5,000. It's just 5,000 of the guys. Plus, they had the, the, their families or women and children there. Surely 10, 15,000, feeding 15,000 people with, with five loaves and two fish? Are you kidding me? It's, it's obviously impossible, except for that it's Yeshua, right? With Yeshua, all things are possible. But what was the boy? The boy had to offer up his, his five loaves and two fish, and God made it feed thousands. God values when we give what we have. All the boy had to offer was his measly, was his measly fish and loaves. That's all that the boy had to give. Although it was nothing, remember this, although it was nothing compared to the crowd, it was probably a lot for that boy. You got to think about that. Five loaves and two fish. It probably crossed his mind. It's probably, I'm supposed to bring this to mama. <laughs> that almost sounded like Forrest Gump. <laughs> I got to bring this to mama. <laughs> and he thought, maybe I'll get in trouble if I give away this stuff. And yet, and yet he did. And look what it did. In other words, you got to give God what you got. It may not seem like a lot. It's plenty if it's what you got. Give God what you got. I'm talking about with inside of you. Man, I appreciate it when people come to God's house who are watching online as well. But you know who appreciates it even more than me? The owner of this house. And sometimes it's been one of those weeks and it's a real struggle to get dressed and fight the traffic and get here. And then perhaps you're so tired that you doze off just a little during my message. <sighs> it's not your heart to disrespect. I know that. You want to hear the message. God bless you. I have great respect for you. You're giving all that you can. You're giving all that you can. God bless you for that. You know, after all, it is called Sabbath rest. <laughs> I was sharing with some visitors last Shabbat that there's only one person on Shabbat who is distinctly not allowed to fall asleep during my message, and that person is me. <laughs> How bad would the message have to be if the rabbi fell asleep? That would be bad. Who's speaking it? Now, now I'll say this. If, okay, just coaching on everybody. If someone dozes and starts snoring, give them a little nudge, okay? Give them a little nudge, right? Just a little nudge, a loving nudge. But do so without judgment. You don't know where they are. You don't know what they've been doing. Don't think less of them. 
but give them a little nudge so it's not distracting to others. Not that this happens. This happens very rarely at Bethel. But you know, it doesn't matter. This is my heart, you know? This should be our heart. It's funny. (laughs) I remember when I first became senior rabbi here, I'll never forget this. This was in the lobby. I'd just, just become senior rabbi, and we had one of our senior members come up to me. And this, this guy, wonderful man, had been a member here for a number of years. Great guy, knew the Bible really well, uh, senior citizen. Uh, and, and he came up to me, and he said, okay, Rabbi Kevin, I know you're going to be taking over Bethlehem. And, uh, and so I just want to make you aware that I am officially diagnosed with narcolepsy. <laughs> I said, what? And if you don't know, narcolepsy is when you just tend to fall asleep. Uh, it's hard for you, to, very hard, profoundly hard for you to stay awake at times. And, and he said, so I want you to understand. He was, he was warning me nicely. He was, he was doing me something good, really. He said, if you see me asleep in your message, it's, it's not reflective of, of you. It's just because I have narcolepsy. I want to let you know. I appreciated that. Sam, I appreciate that. The guy let me know, you know, at least, at least I'm aware. I'm not thinking, wow, I'm really bad today, you know, and so I appreciated that, and I thanked him very kindly, and, uh, and time went on, and then I remember, uh, <laughs> wonderful guy, and then I remember being in the lobby, I don't know, a year later, six, I don't remember how long it was later, a year or two later, and, and I was in the lobby, and, and I was really approaching also some visitors, some people who were at Bethel the first time. And, and in comes this guy just after, after one of my messages. It was right after the service, right after the message, and he was just very excited. And he, and he came up to me. The visitors were all standing there. And, and he said, Rabbi Kevin, wow, that was a great message. I stayed awake the whole time. <laughs> I promise you this happened. And I'm like, oh, 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 and the visitors were like, oh, okay. I remember the visitors, I think, oh, what they must have thinking. Like, this guy was offering me a huge compliment. He was excited about it. A huge compliment that he had actually stayed awake in a message. And the visitors were like, man, this play, I thought, oh, no, that's not how he meant it. Wait, wait, you know, it's one of those moments you go, no, no. <laughs> Proverbs 24, please. Proverbs 24. (laughs) True stories. You can't make this stuff up, you know? One of my favorite scriptures is from Proverbs, and it talks about how we will sometimes fall. Sometimes we're going to mess up. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I love this. To me, it really speaks to the truth of reality for all of us in our lives. It talks about how we'll sometimes fail. Proverbs 24 Verse 16, such a great proverb. It says, for though the righteous one may fall seven times, he gets up again. But the wicked stumble in adversity. Ooh, I love that proverb. Friends, maybe some of you need to hear that. Because nobody here is perfect. It says, for though the righteous one may fall seven times, he gets up again. You got to get back up like a boxer. You know, you can hear Mickey talking right now. Rocky, get back up, Rocky. Come on. (laughs) 
You got to get back up off the canvas, even when you take a punch, even when you're on the, the, the ground. If you fall, get up again. Don't wallow on the ground. No one is perfect. But don't stay down. Get up again. Even if you've messed up, there's hope for you. Wake up. Peter, James, and John, the disciples that were with Yeshua in the Garden of Gethsemane that fell asleep, went on to be absolute world changers. You can see statues of them all over Europe. World changers, these Messianic Jewish rabbis. Wake up! I just woke somebody up, I think. I just woke somebody up. <laughs> the key here, my friends, is to truly do the best that you can. Do the best that you can. Colossians chapter 3. Do the best that you can. And oftentimes, I'm going to tell you something. The best that you can is often better than you think it is. It's oftentimes better than you think it can be. Because oftentimes in life, we want to just go to sleep. <laughs> wow, it's funny. I, I wrote this message earlier in the week, and man, the second half of this week has been non-stop. Non-stop. Working with my kids on college applications and looking over this. Oh, man, that's tough. Tough for a dado. Ooh, boy. We don't want to deal sometimes with hard situations. We just want to sleep when we're tired. We just want to rest. That's what we, our flesh wants to cry out to do. And similarly, when it comes to the flesh, we don't want to address the sin that's in our lives. Why address the sin when it's easier just to kind of ignore it and keep doing it? And if we don't actually look at it and face it and, and try to beat it, then, then our lives are much simpler if we just kind of pretend it doesn't exist. That's falling asleep, really. We don't desire in our flesh to do the hard work that's necessary to confront that sin or to rebuild a relationship, to forgive someone, or even to lend a helping hand. But we really have to. We really have to. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it from the soul, as for the Lord and not for people. Ooh, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm, that's delicious. Mm, stays crispy in milk. Whatever you do, work at it from the soul, as for the Lord and not for people. Whatever you do, not just hyper-spiritual stuff like preaching or singing or reading the Bible or praying. No, whatever you do, Whatever you do, do it as from the soul, as for the Lord. That means your job job, by the way. Whatever you do for your corporate job, or whatever it is that you do, do it as unto the Lord, whatever it do. So friends, if you just bring the jars of oil that you can come up with, you just bring the widow's might. Just bring your few fish and loaves. 
just watch what God can do with it. Because if you are truly giving to God your all, then please don't feel badly if you occasionally nod off in a service. God knows your heart. And if you're giving it your best, then God bless you. There's nothing to feel ashamed of. The title of my message is Napping During the Message. (laughs) But, of course, some of you may never remember the title because you were sleeping. (laughs) Let's bow our heads. Lord, I pray that you are quickening us. So I want to pray for both sides of that coin. First, I want to pray for people who are here today and watching online who have been sleeping, and not not in a good way. Sleeping because of their flesh. Allowing their flesh to win. If, if I'm going to ask you in just a minute, very honestly, and it's between you and the Lord, I'm not going to ask you to say anything, but I am going to ask you to acknowledge it. If, if, if the Lord is convicting you in some area that you need to get that flesh a little more out of the way in something specific in your life, raise your hand. The Lord knows. Be honest about it. Okay, number of hands going up. Yeah, number of hands. See, you're not alone. You're not alone in that journey. Mm, Thank you, Lord. I, I pray your touch on every hand that went up. God, that you will just strengthen. Oh, strengthen, God, and and give that self-control that is needed to be able to truly crucify our flesh, to do what we need to do. Oh, Lord, to do what we know we need to do. God, we don't always feel like it. But God, I pray that we choose, that we have a willingness and a determination even to do what needs to be done, what we know we need to do to follow you or to, whether it's to you or to our love, somebody that we care about. So Lord, I pray God for your Ruach HaKodesh strengthening Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Remind us too. Remind us in that moment where we're sitting there and we don't feel like it or we do feel like it, whatever it is, Lord, and and quicken us, Lord, to what the Spirit is telling us and give us the strength to make the right decision, even if it's against our flesh. Mm. Let us not sleep at the wrong time. Lord God, I also want to pray on the other side of the coin for people who maybe have just been plumb wore out and who are doing their absolute best, been giving it their best. That's surely, and truly, it could be some of the same people, but have been giving it their best in, in other areas. Uh, and they're just kind of wore out. They're wore out. But they're here today, or they're watching online or listening on the podcast 
I thank you for these people, God. I thank you for your faithful servants. I had somebody before the service said, yeah, I came and I said, oh, where do you live? They said, oh, it takes a little over an hour to get here tonight. God bless you. Good for you. Wow. See, you're asking for a blessing when you do something that's against your flesh that you know the Lord wants for you to do. You're asking for a blessing. <laughs> so God, I pray a blessing for anyone who is following you, even if they're wore out, is doing what they know they need to be doing, even though they're wore out, who's helping their, their fellow man and woman, even if they don't feel like it, but yet maybe that's a servant's heart. You know, it's a servant's heart is what it is, really. It's a heart to be more like Yeshua. Man, Yeshua, he could have easily said, you know, I don't feel like going to the cross. I don't feel like going to that tree of sacrifice. I don't feel like being abused, you know. After all, I, you know who I am. Whew, man. And yet he washed our feet. Golly. Man, it's, it's overwhelming. Help us gain perspective that we need God. Help us. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask if there's anybody who's here today who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you're here and you've never said a prayer to receive the Messiah, but you'd like to, raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer if that's you. If you've never committed your life to God, but you'd like to, just lift your hand and we'll pray together. Is there anyone who's not done so before but really wants to commit their life to God? Oh, there's nothing like it. Truly, there's nothing like it. Does that mean it's going to be easy, always easy? Nope. Next question. <laughs> but in the end, we'll be forever with him, and the Lord will give us his ruach, his spirit, and he will strengthen us, and he will touch us, and his presence will be in our lives in a, in a, a, a manifest and tangible way, and you'll be changed on the inside, that much for sure. Is there anybody who's never said that prayer before? but wants to. Raise your hand. Rabbi, I'm Jewish. Nothing could be more Jewish. Rabbi, I'm not Jewish. Yeshua came for Jew and Gentile. If you're watching online and maybe you've never said that prayer, repeat these words after me and allow the Lord to touch you. Sincerely mean them with your, in your heart. Say, dear God, I humble myself before you. I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again. He's the Messiah. Please forgive me my sins, God. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God, in Yeshua's name. Thank you, Lord. If you said that prayer for the first time, scriptures say that we should uh, uh, confess with our mouths. So please, let us know. Send us an email that you made that decision to follow Yeshua, and, you'll, and we'll celebrate with you. We'll send you some materials. It'll be a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for this service. Thank you for Shabbat. Thank you, God, for your love, even if we sometimes doze in the synagogue. Huh? <laughs> Lord, thank you for loving us and understanding. God, I, I pray your touch and hand on our congregation. And we bless you for all these things. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. 
to make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethel family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.